Well, good morning again, church. It is time for a word from the Lord. And if you are ready for a word, why don't you type in the comments? I'm ready. Type I'm ready in the comments section. I'm so excited to get into our text today, which is found in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to begin in verse 38 and we're getting ready to start a brand new series. But before we get into that, I want to make a couple of announcements. The first of which is this. Number one, Summer is over, okay? I know it flew by quickly, but summer is over. And that means that it's time for us to get back into midweek Bible study. Yes, midweek Bible study is coming back this Wednesday and then every Wednesday following at 7 o'clock p.m. I'm excited to open up the scriptures and learn something, go a little bit deeper, ask some questions, be able to do some things that we wouldn't normally do in a Sunday morning environment. So Wednesday night Bible study coming back at 7 o'clock p.m. this Wednesday, it starts back up. Also for our leaders, if you are a leader here at NDCC Pensacola, we are going to have a leadership meeting, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, September 9th. Next Thursday, September 9th, we are going to have a leadership meeting. Please do not miss it. Just circle it on your, on your calendar. Don't worry about it. We're gonna send you the information. We know who you are. But be sure to circle that on your calendar and set aside the evening of Thursday, September 9th for a virtual leadership meeting. Very important that we meet with you about some decisions that we need to make. And then finally, as most of you know, we're entering into the fall season and this typically means hallelujah party for us. And it has it last year. And then there were questions about it this year because of the pandemic. But we are going to do something for hallelujah party. So October 31st, it is a Sunday, October 31st. We're going to do something for Hallelujah Party. We're going to do the safest option, but we're going to serve our children and we're going to reach out to the children of this community. So that's another save the day. Go ahead and put a red circle right there. We're going to need your help to volunteer and to be a blessing to our community. Okay, that's my announcements. Let's get into the word. Genesis chapter 41, the, the text reads, starting in verse 38. It says, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and so wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. We are starting a new series today entitled Godspeed. Godspeed. Type it in the comments. Godspeed. Divine pace for divine purpose. Godspeed. God in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word, that it comes alive, that we're excited about it. But God, I pray that you would illuminate this word for us. God, that you would take this feeble word that comes out of my lips and God, that you would craft it and your Holy Spirit would put oil upon it, that it can transform and change lives. God, we're not here for a show. We're not here for a production. We're here for a transformation. We are here to see people changed and radically transformed according to the message and the mission of Jesus Christ. So do it now, God. There can't be a fire in anyone's place if there was an iceberg behind this pulpit. So light me on fire that I may burn for you. Burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Our new series is entitled Godspeed, Divine Pace 
for divine purpose. And I have to be honest with you about something. We just recently had the Olympics. And how many of you, if you can put up a hand emoji, were watching the Olympics. You were watching the Olympics and the drama and the excellence and the great races and competitions. I have to be honest, I wasn't able to watch as much of the Olympics this year as I wanted to, not just because of time or busyness, but because it was hard to find where to watch it. It was hard to find some results that weren't spoiled. It was hard to watch things in real time. But I always have to watch the track and field athletes. And I'll be honest with you, I have this love-hate relationship with running. Anybody else got a love-hate relationship with running? Some of y'all are like, no, there's no love in it. It's hate. Okay, there's <laughs> no love in that relationship. It's hate. It's hate alone, and I'm not repenting for it. Listen, I understand, but I have a love-hate relationship because I ran track in high school, and I enjoyed it. It was exciting. I actually loved the team camaraderie. I loved the competition, but now post-competition days, post my track prime in high school, I don't like running. I don't like getting on the treadmill. We're actually doing something uh, in an organization that I run called The Witness. We're actually doing a challenge now that is going to be throughout the entire month of September where we are, are aiming to run at least 50 miles. Each person is aiming to run 50 miles in the month of September. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm just going to be real with you. I'm looking at that like, oh, no. I don't know why I agreed to this, but this is what we're doing, right? I have this love-hate relationship with running, and it... And it relates to the fact that sometimes running takes too long. It's not so much that running is physically exerting, and it is. It's not so much that I get tired quickly, and sometimes I do. It's more so that running takes too long. When I ran in track, I was a sprinter. So I ran 100, 200, 400, 4 by one 4 by 4 I ran the quick races. You get in, you get out. You get to the finish line, you find out if you were good or not. But I don't like pacing myself. You, you know, most runners, if you have to run past 400 meters, and even in those races at a high level, they still utilize this, they have to pace themselves. They have to establish a timing and a speed and a meter and a running consistency over the course of time so that they can perform to their optimum level. I, I don't like pace very much. Pace takes too long. Pace wears me out. Pace uh, wears out and exerts my mental faculties. I can't stand pacing. I can't stand running miles. But there's something powerful in the principle of pace. Because when you understand pace properly as a runner, you understand what your body and what you as a person are capable of accomplishing. When you understand pace, you can understand your running purpose. When you're able to time out how quickly you're running over the course of 400, 800, 1600 meters, you're able to, to say with confidence what you are capable of doing. And many of us must understand that the context of pace is not just true in a natural physical sense, but the context of pace is true in a spiritual sense. You see, every believer is on a track. Every believer is running a race. Every believer is on a journey. And we're on this journey towards our purpose. We're on this journey towards what God has ultimately called for us to do. And here's the thing. Many of us are on different tracks, in different spaces, in different fields of expertise, with different uh, credentials, with different uh, alliances, with different people around us. But every single one of us 
is running. Every single one of us is moving towards what Paul calls pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are pushing towards something. We are moving. And every single one of us who is moving towards our purpose, which is every single one of us, Every person who is watching, every person who is participating in the race towards their spiritual purpose must master their pace. And here's the truth. This is the overarching statement of this series. When we talk about divine pace for divine purpose, catch this. When I get there is not as important as how I get there. <laughs> I'm about to mess with you today. I'm so sorry. When I get there is not as important that's how I get there. See, most of us are sprinters in the spirit. We want to get to the place God called us to get to quickly. Most of us are sprinters in our prayer life. We set a short period of time and then we try to get in all our prayer, but we don't have spiritual pace when it comes to our prayer life. Most of us are sprinters when it comes to our social activism. Most of us are sprinters when it comes to our love and our forgiveness. Most of us are spiritual sprinters who don't have the pace to extend for a long period of time. But, but here's what you have to understand. God is not looking at you and judging you for a short chapter of your life. God is judging the overarching journey of your life. God is judging how much you pace yourself. And when you get there isn't as important as how you get there. If you are a follower of Jesus, one of the first things you have to learn how to do is change your pace. It's one of the first things you have to do. You have to change your pace. We live in natural times. And in natural times, in a physical world, we try to cling to what is tangible, what is measurable. What are the things, what are the metrics that we can say we're doing well, or we're achieving, or we're reaching the benchmarks? But those things are tangible and also artificial. Time is tangible and also artificial. What do you mean? What I mean is that just because you see someone doing something, just because you accomplish something in a certain period of time, doesn't mean that you have completed your mission according to the kingdom of God. Just because you can see it and touch it and applaud it and get a check for it, doesn't mean that's what God called you to do. Time is tangible, it's helpful, and it's also artificial. It is also set up in a human construct that goes against the kingdom of God. Just because someone has accomplished something in a short period of time doesn't mean God is pleased with them. Just because someone has an achievement that the world around them applauds doesn't mean that God applauds them. Let me put it like this. In the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is more about pace than space. God is more concerned with how I move than with where I am. God is more concerned with how I move than with where I am. What do you mean? Wherever I am, God can get the glory out of my life. Wherever I am. Paul puts it like this, Philippians 4. I found that in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be what? Content. Paul says, I know how to do it all. I know how to abase and to abound. I know how to be rich and to be poor. I know how to be prospering and in prison. 
So here's, here's what happens. Many of us think that we have to be in a specific space for God to get glory out of our lives. And this is why, I'm going off, off script already. This is why we don't live right until we get the promotion. This is why God puts you through hardship and allows you to encounter it so that you'll remain consistent with your pace regardless of your space. You don't believe me. David gets anointed king. And David gets anointed king and then has to wait over the course of 13 to 15 years, scholars are arguing about it, over the course of 13 to 15 years, a long time before he's actually able to walk in his kingship. So if David was banking his entirety of his character, the entirety of his commitment to God, on God leading him to, the, to a promoted place and to a promoted space, David will be in the place where he would mismanage his pace. And David did some wrong things. David did some messed up things. But here's the thing. Regardless of the fact that David was running for his life, he understood the pace of God. He understood the character of God. Take a look at Abraham and Sarah. Sarah and Abraham are barren. And according to people, you got to get to the place where you have children. You got to get to the place where you're acceptable to society. You got to get to the place. And God is saying, no, no, no. It's not about the place or the space. It's about your pace. This is why he says, Abram, get up from your country and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And Abram has no clue where God is going to lead him. No clue where God is going to have him land. But he's still obedient with his unknown. <laughs> Can you remain faithful in your pace? even if your place isn't in the right space? Can you remain faithful to what God called you to do, even if it's not where you want to be? Wherever I am, God can get glory out of my life. Wherever you are, God can get glory out of your life. You don't have to be in the penthouse. God can get glory out of your life. You don't have to have fancy degrees. God can still get glory out of your life. You don't have to be in the neighborhood where everybody applauds you and says, wow, look at that. God can still get glory out of your life. You don't have to be in the life stage where everyone says you're supposed to be because you're at this age and you're married or you're single or whatever it may be. God can still get glory out of your life. And so I want to fall in line and I want you to fall in line with where God has me, not where I think I should be. Where God has me, not where I think I should be. I have some ideas about my life. I have some spaces I want to be in, some places where I want to be seen in, some communities and friends that I want to build. But just because I desire that doesn't mean that's where God desires for me to be. I want to fall in line with where God has me, not where I think I should be. And this is a scripture, Ecclesiastes 3:11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I love the CSB translation. He has made everything appropriate in its time. Whatever I think I should be, wherever I think I should be landing, whatever space and place I think I should occupy, is it appropriate? God has made everything appropriate and beautiful in its time. Can you lift up your hands right now and just, we're not even done yet. Can you lift up your hand and say, I surrender to the pace. I surrender to the pace. I surrender.
I'll run how fast you want me to run, how slow you want me to run. I'll do everything you've called me to do. I'll walk in everything you've called me to walk in. I will submit to God's speed. Come on, say it. Say, I surrender. This is so important, church, that we understand divine pace so that we can walk in divine purpose. And I say this, church, because I believe that God is positioning us to run in a certain way, which leads us to today's message. Today's message, when it comes to God's speed and divine pace for divine purpose, today's message is about divine acceleration. Type acceleration in the comments. Divine acceleration. Divine acceleration. I never spell acceleration right, so may the odds be ever in your favor with that. <laughs> divine acceleration. I never spell it right. I promise you I don't. Divine acceleration. Now, it's easy when someone mentions pacing and timing to think subconsciously that it's going to be a sermon or a message or an encouragement about waiting. You thought that, right? You thought that, oh, we're talking about God's speed, so we're going to talk about what it means when you ain't there yet. It's going to be a message called, are we there yet? It's going to be a message called, in the middle. It's going to be a message called, I ain't there. And he's going to tell us we got to be patient. We got to wait. We got to slow down. You got to accept the fact that you ain't there yet. No, 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 that's not today. We have built up this mentality in our minds that whenever we're talking about pacing, we're talking about slowing down. But, but what happens when God answers the prayer? What happens when God quickens the pace? What happens when God says yes? You know, I have this idea that we really think that God is going to say no to the things that we ask. We really think that God is going to be offended that we ask God for help. And so our mouths say, God help us, but our hearts say, you're not going to do anything. So there's a difference between our confession and our expectation. Our confession is that God is powerful. Our expectation in our hearts is that I don't know. And we have this mentality now that God is going to reject and block and slow us down at every turn of our lives. And listen, don't get me wrong. Deliberate, slow, unhurried rhythm is a healthy thing. But church, there are some times when God accelerates. There are some times when God picks up the pace. There are some times when God says sprint. There are some times when God says the gap between where you are and where you desire to be gets closed today. What do you do when God closes the gap? What do you do when God pushes you forward? What do you do when God puts the wind at your back and says it's time to run? And most of us are prepared subtly with all the right theological phrases for what it means to wait. But most of us have no theological category for what it means to speed up. And I believe, church, that we're entering into not just this individual time, not just an individual idea, but a corporate communal reality of acceleration. I believe that God is getting ready to accelerate our church. I know it may not seem like it. A pandemic is still happening. We still haven't met in 18 months. 
I know what you're thinking. There's no possible way God is going to accelerate our lives. There's no possible way God is going to accelerate this church. Trust me. Watch me. God is going to take us very quickly from where we are to where he wants us to be. Watch. Do you believe it with me? Some of y'all are like, I don't know. Do you want God to take you to the next level? Do you want God to take you to a place, not just some nebulous next level, to the place where you can use every single one of the gifts God called you to use? Do you want God to take you to a place of elevation? Lift up your hand and say, I'm ready, God. <laughs> so people may say, no, it's not for me. If that's not for you, that's not for you. I'll just say it for me. I'm ready. Bring me to that place. Tell me where to sign up. Where do I get onto the elevator? Say, God, I'm ready to be accelerated. And there's no better person that I can think of when it comes to acceleration in the scriptures than the man named Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis, specifically in Genesis 37 to Genesis 49, was accelerated quickly. He went through some things in the middle, but he was accelerated quickly. Specifically in Genesis chapter 41, it says here that Pharaoh looks at him and says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? So Pharaoh, someone who was not a part of the faith, who was not a believer in God as Joseph would have been. Pharaoh looks at Joseph and says, it's time for you to elevate. Can I find anyone quite like you? Now I'm going to share with you a couple of principles that you have to have to be prepared for acceleration. So if you want and desire to truly be accelerated, you have to be prepared and you have to prepare in specific ways. But before this, I want to share with you one overarching principle that's going to undergird the story of Joseph and that is going to undergird our understanding of divine acceleration. You ready? What you were doing before is the same thing you'll be doing after God accelerates you. What you were doing before is the same thing you're going to be doing after God accelerates you. I know what you're thinking. There's no possible way that's true. I'll be doing different things. I'll be in a different space. I'll be with different people. I'll have different money in a different neighborhood, on a different job, with a different parking spot. I understand that the location may change. But if you don't set the pace now, you won't be able to speed up after God accelerates you. You won't be able to catch up after God pushes you into that space. No, you have to prepare now for the thing that you will be doing. Many of us expect for God to eventually take us to a new level. But we don't prepare our lives and our spirits and our hearts and our bodies to look, be, do, and live different. We don't prepare ourselves as if we're already there. We have in our minds, oh, one day I'll be there and then I'll know what to do when I get there. That's not how it works. Whatever you were doing before, it's the same thing. It's going to be happening after. So what can you be developing now to prepare yourself for divine acceleration? There are four things, four character qualities. And number one, ironically, is character. Type it in the comments, character. You want to accelerate? You have to have character. Notice here, in the text that I just read to you, in Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh was not wowed primarily by Joseph's gift. It says here, can I find someone who is so wise and discerning? This is what it says in verse 39. There is no one so wise and discerning as you. 
So Pharaoh doesn't speak to Joseph's gift. Pharaoh speaks to Joseph's character. Let me remind you of something. Your gift will make room for you, but only your character can keep you. Your gift will get you in the door. But what keeps you in the door after the gift and the wow has worn off? It's the character and the integrity of your heart. It is your actions. It is what you do with your hands. And there are a lot of people that wow with gifts, but don't wow with life. There are a lot of people that get applauded on Sunday that don't live it Monday through Saturday. There are a lot of people that are experts and stars in what they do, but their character and their integrity doesn't match the gift that God gave them. And I don't know about you, but I don't want elevation to change me. I want to be able to look at God and say, you can elevate me and it doesn't change me. <laughs> I'm the same on any altitude. Take me to any floor. I'll be the same. Put me in the palace. I'll act the same. Take me to the pit. I'll do the same thing. Put me in prison. I won't switch up. This is what the truth was with Joseph. Because the gift can make room for you, but the character is the only thing that can keep you. Notice in Genesis chapter 39, after Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brother, notice this, that Joseph was put over the entire court, over the entire house of Potiphar. Potiphar was the officer of the king's guard, the leader of the king's guard. And so he had all these things that he had to do. And in Genesis chapter 39, it says that Joseph mastered them. But then Joseph got a proposition. Joseph got a proposition from the master's wife. And she said, come to bed with me. And he refused. With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything that he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in, in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Notice there's two things I see here. Joseph understands the gravity of his assignment. Some of us don't act with integrity because we cannot grasp the gravity. The gravity of what God has called you to do. The gravity of what position God has placed you in. The gravity of the seat you sit in. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I'm just working here. I'm just an intern. You don't understand who's watching you. You don't understand who's paying attention to you. You don't understand who has staked their entire perception of the Christian faith on your life. You don't understand who is recovering from hurt and pain and sees you as a glimmer of hope and says, if they can do it, I can do it too. You don't know who's watching you. And Joseph understood the gravity of his assignment, but he also understood the ultimate person who is watching. And he says, how can I sin against God? Character is not just how you act when no one's watching. It's also how you act when everyone's watching. This is the common thing, right? Reputation is what people think about you. Character is who you truly are. Character is who you truly are and what you truly do when no one else is watching. What about when everyone's watching? Let's carry the divine acceleration point to its furthest extent. When God elevates you and eyes are on you, can you stay the same? When God lifts you up and platforms you, can you remain as you were? Can you maintain your integrity?
Catch this. People who lack integrity cannot be accelerated. People who lack integrity cannot be accelerated. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're consistent. Consistent people will recognize when they're wrong. Perfect people will never think they're wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. Consistent people will recognize, uh-uh, I did it wrong. I'm going to come back to myself. I'm going to redirect to do the right thing. Character that isn't present before won't be able and available to keep you after. People who lack integrity can't be accelerated, church. This is the baseline. This is the floor. You don't have character integrity, God's not going to put you on the platform. It's not going to happen. Give it up. But if you truly want to be accelerated, if you want to be used by God, if you want divine advancement, then make sure your character is consistent. Will you lift your hands and say, God, make me consistent. Make me consistent. Make me the same at any altitude. Whether I'm low, whether I'm high, whether I'm on the rise, make me the same, God. Make me the same. My goodness. Okay, I, I might not even get to all these today. I might have to extend this. Uh, let's get to number two here. Number one is character. Number two here is very important. It's discipline. Type discipline in the comments. Discipline. There's something really interesting about Joseph. And what is interesting about Joseph is that Joseph had a multiplicity of gifts. We recognize this, right? People talk all the time about the fact that Joseph was a dreamer. And as pastors and theologians have pointed out, yes, Joseph was a dreamer, but that wasn't his primary gift. Joseph used dreams because God gave him dreams to interpret, gave him visions, but that was not his primary and sole gift. Joseph's gift was administration. Joseph's gift was bringing things into order. And pastors have talked about this online, and it's been brilliant for us to remember. But notice that Joseph, if he wanted to be accelerated, couldn't get to the place and then move up quickly. He had to be preparing and honing his gift in the moment he was in, according to the pace that he was running, according to the time that God had given to him, according to the platform where he was placed. So notice what it says in Genesis chapter 39 and verses 1 through 6. Look at how things change whenever Joseph is introduced into the picture. It says this, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, was one of Pharaoh's officials. The captain of the guard brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Okay. Despise not the small promotions. Despise not the small advancements. Despise not the times when you take a significant step even if it seems small in the grand scheme of where you think God is going to place you. Here's what tends to happen. We don't get accelerated to the extent we think God should accelerate us. 
And so we failed the attendant phase. Before you get to the phase of being a supervisor, you have to be an attendant. Before you can be a leader, you have to be a follower. Before you can be someone who calls the shots, you have to obey the shots and submit to the shots. Before you can walk in it, you got to crawl. Before you can run, you got to walk. Before you can fly, you got to run. And many of us despise the moments where we are experiencing incremental acceleration because it's not flashy. Oh, it's just that. You know, it, everybody moves in that way. Everyone's doing this. Everybody has to go this way. Everybody has to figure out. Everybody don't have the spirit of God in them. You do. And so every place that God puts you in, God desires for you to maintain the same pace and the same intensity and the same consistency and the same character and the discipline in the small. God won't give you more if you can't handle the small. Can I speak to the interns, the attendants, the people who are just starting, the people who are on the low rung, quote unquote, in the job? Don't fumble the bag. Don't trip over the attendant ladder. Don't look down on what you're doing. Small as it may be, if you're faithful with a little, God will give you much. Small as it may seem, just because it's low doesn't mean that God looks low on you. Just because it's low to people doesn't mean that God is going to say, I can't use them. God is watching your faithfulness. God is watching the discipline with which you carry out your gift. And notice, Joseph was first an attendant. Then, says in verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. And he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. In other words, Joseph did his job so well, so consistently, with such discipline, with such power with such might, with such anointing, that his supervisor knew he could entrust him with more because he didn't even have to think about the thing he had told him to do. Can I encourage you with something? Do not fail the test of discipline today. What you do today matters. I, I remember actually in, um, in college, I read this book. It transformed my life. It was by a man named John Maxwell, and it's called this, Today Matters. And he used to say this thing. I don't remember the entirety of the phrase, but he used to say, and just for today, I'm going to do this. Just for today, I'm going to love people. Just for today, I'm going to do my responsibilities. Just for today, I'm going to be in alignment with my creator. Just for today, just for today. And then he said this, at the end of my life, I'll look back on accumulation of days live well. Today matters. Be present. Be consistent. Be disciplined. And discipline and consistency comes because we are in proper alignment with the realization 
that even if I'm not in the place I desire to be yet, the pace I run with now is just as important. Can I speak to the college students? Can I speak to the teenagers and the middle school students and the elementary students if you're watching? Can I encourage you with something? Do the little things well. Do the small things with excellence. Commit yourself never to stopping. Commit yourself never to quitting. Commit yourself to getting up every single day and working the small, menial, unremarkable tasks. Do the small things well. Be a great attendant. Be a great student. Be a great intern. And watch what God does with your life. Can I encourage you, those of you who think life has passed you by, on the flip side and the other end of the spectrum, you think that there's nothing that you can do to contribute. God has you still alive for a reason. You know this, right? That it's not by accident that you're still breathing. God desires for you to do something and God is going to accelerate you if you will have the discipline to embrace the season that you're in. Yes, my kids may have left the house. Yes, I may have retired from my job, but ministry doesn't stop when my job stops. Ministry doesn't stop when I transition seasons. Ministry doesn't stop when I enter a new decade. Ministry doesn't stop when I shift and move to a different space. But my pace can still remain intentional. Do you have the discipline? So many of our older saints can lead us in this. They have remarkable, life-changing, life-altering discipline. And we are living in the giant footsteps of their discipline. But let me encourage you as well. There is still more for you to do. Do not forsake the small incremental accelerations. Do you have character, church? Enough so that God can elevate you and it won't change you. Do you have discipline, church? Enough to where you can hone your gift. Notice Joseph is honing his gift. Joseph is sharpening his gift. Uh, not only this, it says that, that later on in the, in the text, a couple of chapters after this, I believe it's in Genesis chapter 40 or at the end of Genesis chapter 39. It says that the prison guard, the warden, put Joseph in the same space as Potiphar did in prison. Wherever I am, I can still be disciplined. Even when people lie on me. Even when people talk about me, even when people sub me. Even when people stab me in the back, I, I can still get glory out of my life. I can still be disciplined. My character can still be the same. I can still run with an intentional pace. Do you have character? Do you have discipline? Can we stop there? I think that's enough for today. Can we stop there? We're going to pick this up next week. We have a couple of more things that you need if you're going to experience divine acceleration. But can you lift your hands right now? And say, God, make me an instrument. Make me an instrument of consistency. Make me an instrument of integrity. Make me an instrument of character. Make me an instrument, no matter where I am, that I'm still as sharp as I am on this level as I will be on that level. God, make me different. Hmm, I feel that. Sanctify me. Give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit. This ain't fancy, flashy preaching, but some of us need to repent. 
because we've looked down on the season that we were in or the season where we are right now. And we've thrown dirt on the things God wants to lift up. Can you repent right now? Say, God, I repent of not taking this assignment seriously. I repent of not understanding the gravity of what you called me to do. I repent of missing the fact that you have called for me to be consistent in my character, consistent with my discipline. And we don't always make it. We fall short. But consistent people are able to get back up. Say, God, make me consistent. Father, in the name of Jesus, whoever is listening, may they run with patience with the race that you have called for them to run in. But God, when you call for them to run faster and accelerate, may they be found as people of character. May may they be found as people of integrity. May they be found as people of consistency. And may they be disciplined with their gift, disciplined with their life, disciplined with their source, disciplined with their increase. I thank you, God, that you have given us mercy and grace to walk in everything you've called for us to walk in. May we not look down upon our attendant phase. May we not look down on our lesser phases. But may we see that it's just as valuable wherever we are as much as where we desire to go. I pray for those who are in transition right now. I feel led to pray for the transitioned. Those who are transitioning, would you lead them and guide them not to look down upon what you have called for them to walk in right now? Would you give them the pace? Would you give them the acceleration necessary to run at the right pace? Father, for some of us, would you push us into it? (laughs) Would you convict us into it? Would you challenge us into it? Would your spirit just light us on fire? We can't help but run quick. Will you do it now in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Divine Acceleration Church, you're about to be pushed forward. Are you ready? Do you have the character? Do you have the discipline? Let's get to it. I love you, church. We'll see you on Wednesday. Everybody, this is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, you say, God, I wanna give my life to you for real this time. I wanna follow you in everything that I say and I do, transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going, and I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's alive and risen, and thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We want to celebrate you. We want to be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace.